For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Episode 10 of the Dogs of War podcast is brought to you by Zabo Apparel Company, a Cleveland-based, veteran-owned apparel company. Look, you guys all know the drill. Your Cleveland sports shirts, your military shirts, anything you need to feel real Cleveland, go check them out. S-Z-A-B-O-Apparel.com. While you're at it, subscribe and rate the podcast, Dogs of War, on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere else you'd find podcasts. After that, get on Instagram. If you don't have an account, make one. Follow Angry Browns fans. That's where all of our daily content goes. Check it out. Big episode coming up. Let's ride. 18 seconds left. He's got the snap. Back to pass. Up in the pocket. Shooting it long and deep. And it's picked up. They got it. Terrence Mitchell's got it. And it's all over here now. They can't take it away anymore. 11 seconds left to go. Mitchell takes the football. He's going to run it down to the best fans. The most patient fans in the league. Right to the dog pound. Up and in he goes. Mikey, Mike, 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 check one, two. Testing one, two. We're live. Mics are hot. We're live. We're back. Guess what, Browns fans? We're not going to harp on the depressing things. We're not going to harp on the massacre that occurred Monday night. Mowat massacre. Yeah, it's uh, just rub it off. Did we play last night? I don't even know. But my weekend. Browns have a game. My weekend started off fantastic. Let's hear about it, Raleigh. My girlfriend Kate slash roommate came in Friday. She said, "We have a serious issue. Her face ghost white." I'm thinking, what did I do? Ooh, that could be a lot of things. I know. I'm like, I don't think I did anything wrong. Some very scary things. But I do things wrong a lot. What I do this time, let's hear it. She says, on Apple TV, that's what we have. We don't have regular cable. We have Apple TV. You get a bunch of apps like ESPN, CBS. Also, we have Bravo and ETV. Of all of the channels we have, Netflix, ESPN, CBS, whatever exists, Bravo and ETV don't work, and there's no way to fix it. She presents that to me as horrible news, and we have an issue. That's like winning the lottery. Congratulations. I, I, I couldn't keep a straight face. I'm like, that's an issue? You're saying I don't have to listen to the housewives screaming at each other every night? But that's just that's just the first part of a great... That was pretty much the highlight of my weekend. So no more real housewives of L.A., Miami... Do we have Cleveland yet? Um, the Real Housewives of Cleveland is in the works, I'm told. But we'll what s- in Christ's name could that even have? A lot of Muni Lot settings. Oh, please be some Muni Lot. Yeah, I would actually. Queens. If they had a Real Housewives of Cleveland, I'm fixing the app somehow. Speaking of those shows, you see The Bachelor, or is it The Bachelorette? One of those is going to be filming an episode at a Browns game. What? In the Muni Lot. It was on Twitter. It was released. Like, there's going to be 
parts of a Browns game in an upcoming season of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, whatever's coming up next. I don't follow this shit. You live with a female. You should know this stuff. Well, you'd think she'd have told me that if that were I had. You're blindsiding me right now. She's not from Cleveland. Well, I'll send you the tweet later. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, other than that, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. I was taking it a little bit easy in preparation for the outing last night. Riley and I went to a bar together to watch the game. Uh, it wasn't working, so at halftime we left, went to another bar, and that didn't work either. And then I went home and watched I watched American Horror Story, which is a pretty kick-ass show. It's scary as hell, and it made me less depressed somehow. I don't know the math behind that. I came home and watched the first half of Troy. Oh, nice. That's a Brad Pitt classic. You know what I didn't do today, and I, I won't do until probably at least tomorrow or Thursday, because we're recording this right now, it's Tuesday night. I have not read a single article or watched a single ESPN clip or anything about last night. I have been avoiding the internet like a plague. Welcome to episode 10, by the way, of the Dogs of War podcast. If you didn't know, my this is Kevin. And Raleigh. So last night did not go as planned. Uh, well, really nothing went as planned last night, except for one thing. When in doubt, whenever you think it is as dark as could ever be, it's always darkest before dawn, they say. And man, you see that beautiful main trot out onto that field and drive that ball through the uprights. The shining light of last night's debacle in the Bay Area was the Scottish Hammer. Every time that man takes the field, I envision Mel Gibson's speech before the charge. It's Sterling. Oh, man. I hear the music playing. It's a thing of beauty. That's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight, folks. We got a list, a vivid list of silver linings to go through. We're not here to harp on depressing topics that come naturally with being a Browns fans. We're here to talk about the good stuff. We got a great show tonight. We have an interview lined up with Corbin Smith. Lead reporter of Seahawk Maven. Get some intel on the foes to come. We have an actual Sports Illustrated reporter coming on this podcast. Can you believe it? I can't. Little did you all know, we are a top 10 podcast now. In Lebanon. In Lebanon. I was crossing the street on, what, Sunday? I was out walking, getting my grocery shopping on. I get a notification that we're top 10. And I was like, hang on a second. My first thought is, you just see top 10. I was like, can this be? Did we make it? Can we actually say we've done this now? And I opened it up and said, you're top 10 in Lebanon. Once again, for the second time, whoever's listening to our dumb voices in Lebanon, please hit the DMs, come at us, leave a mess on the Mutilot payphone. We want to talk to you. Come on this podcast. I have to talk to whoever's listening to us in Lebanon because there's clearly more than one person now. Dude, we're top ten. That's not a that, that doesn't just fall out of a tree. So please, come on, holla at us. Let's do it. All right, let's get this show going. Better next 
Monday. Oh yeah. Being as this episode is the Silver Linings playbook, Silver Linings number one was the Scottish Hammer. We already covered that in detail, which takes us to Silver Lining 2. The Dogs of War podcast is ranked 10th greatest sports podcast in Lebanon, which was equally covered before that song you just heard. Kevin, number three. Miles Garrett is still a badass. Still getting in there, getting that sack. Loved it. I knew he was going to eat Jimmy G at least once last night, and he did. Schobert also looked great, too. Joe Schobert, husband of Megan Schobert, uh, friend of the show, reoccurring guest. Week four, week four highlight, I think. Maybe week five, whatever. But yeah, she'll be back. Schobert looked great. Silver lining number four. I was incredibly productive at work today. I avoided the internet like the plague and really focused on my career. Kids, if you're listening, get good grades. Crush it at work if you're an adult. Carpe diem, as they say. Carpe diem? Carpe diem. It means seize the day. Thank you for that. In Korean. Silver linings number five. Let's just remember here, folks, ladies, gentlemen, kids, adults, old people who just listen to these things. One battle does not determine the entire war. We have three losses. Did we come into this season ready to take a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. Are we ready to win a Super Bowl right now? Absolutely not. We have three losses, and hey, let's just keep it a buck right now. Our next two games are the Seahawks and the Patriots. We here at the Dogs of War podcast are glass half full. That being said, after the next couple weeks, we could be a 2-5 and five team. But, you know what the silver lining of this is? What's that, Kevin? The second half of our schedule, on paper, is a joke. We have to play the Bengals, the Steelers, the Dolphins. A lot of good things to come. And, hey, we still might sneak one out of these next couple of weeks. You know, damn well they're going to be angry and coming out hot on Sunday. Raleigh, next one. Silver lining number six, it is not time to panic. Not that it's too far away for time to panic, but guess what happens if we have to panic? We get a sick draft pick, and John Dorsey is our GM, and he knows how to pick guys. Kevin. Silver lining number seven, let's not forget good things come to those who wait. And while we're waiting, we have Kareem Hunt coming back for week nine. Eight-game suspension. He'll be back. Let's not forget the absolute damage and beating he put on the league last year. This will be an absolute show. He's coming. Reinforcers coming. Not that we need any help back there. Chubb is the king. But to add Kareem Hunt next to Chubb, are you kidding me? That's like cheating. Next. Silver lining number eight. Ass beatings happen in football. Every game matters, but not the score. Granted, the score is an indicator of what may be going right or what's going wrong, but eh, this may be a bad one because this was already covered in silver lining number five. Kevin, take us to number niner. Silver lining niner. The AFC North is an absolute joke and is completely up for grabs. Don't forget, we are not the Bengals or the Steelers. Bengals have not won a game. Steelers are... One and four, and it's beautiful. Yes, they are. We can still take the division. Heck, eight and eight might take this division, for God's sake. Who knows? A lot of season left. We are a quarter of the way through the season. Everyone, relax. Raleigh. Which takes us to silver lining number 10. 
Tickets will probably be easier to obtain and could be cheaper. That's really all I got for 10. I disagree with that. Because it's the Browns, baby. <laughs> yeah, the whole Amer- season sold out. They're America's team. Yeah, there's no way tickets are going to be easier. We were just kind of, you know, thinking hypothetically or maybe a silver lining would be tickets being cheaper, but that's not going to be true. Maybe for next game, somebody that already bought the ticket will lose faith and say, hey, do you want these tickets on the 50-yard line? I don't want to go anymore. And now you're, you're, you're there. So silver lining could be the potential idiots out there that might give up their ticket. We are looking for anything here, folks. Bear with us. Let's go number 11. Silver lining number 11. Let's not forget Denzel and Greedy's hamstrings have to heal eventually. Am I right? You're right, Kevin. They've been out for many weeks, and I do not expect them to come back until after the bye because why rush them back? Because our depth at corner is actually outstanding, and they've been doing a hell of a job back there in their absence. So... Expect them to come back after the Patriots. That is not any kind of source or intel I have. I am but an idiot with a podcast. This is what the blue check marks on Twitter are telling me. Let's get ready for our two stud corners to come back to give that defense even more of a boost. Because uh, after last night, well, we would really benefit from that. We need a lot of boost. Silver lining number 12. Baker's throw to Callaway in the goal line stands. It was a good toss, and Callaway ran a great route to get open. It just resulted in it bouncing off of his hands and the Niners taking it back for a 50-yard run and eventually scoring off of that drive. Shit happens. A 10-14 to game kind of turned into a 3-21 to game, and things went downhill. I'm just saying it wasn't that bad up until that point. Kevin. Silver lining number 13. Lucky number 13. This has already been mentioned, but we're mentioning it again. The second half of the season is a hell of a lot easier than the first. What is the final silver lining? This team has survived 1-15 and 0-16 and being the laughing stock of the NFL nation. And they're hungry for more. They are resilient. Do you know what that makes them, Kevin? That makes them unfucking breakable For the first time, talent's not the problem. It's putting all this talent together, which we've never done before. It takes time. Anyone out there saying it's, you know, they're calling for Freddie's head or saying Baker's overrated or any of this stuff, are you out of your minds? We're five games in within a completely different team, a new coaching staff. Relax. Am I saying that we're not going to have to panic at some point? No. I'm saying right now, relax. Yeah, we don't have to panic yet. Tweet of the week goes to Brian Shaw. Hashtag Browns Twitter by week. Week one, fire Freddy. Week two, playoffs. Week three, fire Freddy. Week four, AFC North champs. Week five, Baker's a bust. Fire Freddy. Don't be those fans. Hashtag Browns. Great tweet by that guy. Everyone take note. One of the best things I saw, speaking of Twitter online yesterday, was one of our media members that was out in the Bay Area in San Francisco for the game said that a large number of Browns fans were at the stadium right around 8 a.m. trying to go in and start tailgating, which, God, that makes me so happy as a fan. (laughs) But they couldn't get in. They wouldn't let them in. They're looking at them like, who are you animals? So shout-out to all those people. You're the real MVPs. That's Muni. That's Browns right there. Speaking of Muni Lab people, let's hop into this payphone right now. (laughs) 
Leave a message. Leave a message. Hello, Angry Browns fans and Kevin and the Dogs of War podcast listeners. My name's Richie, and I'm the Cincinnatian who DMs Angry Browns fans from time to time. And the fact that he responds makes it the best page on Instagram, and it always makes my day. Now, I know a lot of you guys want to jump ship on the Browns and Baker, but don't. He's the guy who will lead us to the promised land and will lead the best team in NFL history to the promised land. That being said, there will be some bumps and bruises along the way, and us true loyal fans will be there no matter what. Don't panic like Baker said, and don't jump ship. They will bounce back against the Seahawks next week. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and I hope everyone has a good week. Go Browns. Oh, oh, oh. Fantastic Muni Lot payphone call in by loyal dog of war, Richie Probes. Everyone take note of this kid's faithfulness. He's from Cincinnati. He bleeds brown and orange till he dies. Don't give up faith, dogs of war. Let's kick it over to our interview now. This week, we had the privilege of interviewing Corbin Smith. Corbin Smith is the lead reporter for the Seahawk Maven on SI.com. That's right, folks. We have an actual Sports Illustrated full-time employee on the podcast. He also co-hosts a weekly podcast, Locked on Seahawks. He knows everything there is to know and more about the Seahawks. Let's get into it. We now welcome on Corbin Smith of the Seattle Seahawks, lead reporter for Seahawks Maven on SportsIllustrated.com. Also, the co-host of Lockdown Seahawks Weekly Podcast. Corbin, how are we doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thanks for coming on. Did I intro that properly? Seahawk Maven on Sports uh, Illustrated? Yeah, absolutely. Seahawk Maven on SI.com. Uh, just made that transition over. Obviously, it's been kind of a, uh, I'll just say it's been an interesting past week, <laughs> but uh, things seem to be settling down a little bit. That was. I saw that on Twitter kind of came out of nowhere. Glad you weren't affected, obviously, but, you know, definitely a uh, feel for those that were. Yeah, it was a difficult week. Absolutely. Um, but that's actually a great segue into the first question. Um, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, for our listeners, we wanted to bring on someone who knows the Seahawks very well. Um, so figured, hey, why not someone who writes for Sports Illustrated? So would love to hear a little bit more about your rundown um, or give us a rundown of your history as a Seahawks reporter. You know, where'd you get your start? How long have you been doing it for? So this is my second year being a full-time writer, a reporter. I was actually a teacher for five and a half years. That's uh, I just was writing for fun, covering the Seahawks just as a hobby, and uh, eventually I realized, you know what, this is what I want to do for a career. I, I was also doing some stand-up comedy on the side, but uh, and I consider myself retired from that avenue now. So it's kind of sometimes carried over into my reporting a little bit. I think players enjoy that during interviews, but uh, uh, this is my second full season, and uh, it's been pretty exciting and it's a difficult job sometimes but uh, certainly a rewarding one and uh, they would say you want to have a job that you enjoy and this is certainly going to qualify as that so as a retired comedian and an official reporter to what degree are you allowed to be funny do you ever struggle with that well, I usually don't try to be on purpose. I'm normally pretty professional. I, I have had a few players that they knew about some impersonations that I do, and I don't go out of my way to do that. If, if a player asks, then I'll be willing to talk like Smeagol or George Bush or whatever they want to do. But I generally don't go down that road unless somebody requests for it. So generally, I, I stay, stay strictly professional. Who was your all-time favorite Seahawk to interview and was it Richard Sherman? 
I actually have not interviewed Richard Sherman because he hasn't been on the team the last two years though uh, I've been covering the beat. So uh, probably the most interesting guy that I've talked to up to this point is Puna Ford, one of their defensive tackles or a really interesting guy and love talking to him about he's a 300 plus pound defensive tackle that played fullback in high school. So I'm just picturing trying to tackle that guy with a football in his hands. But uh, yeah, he's a, he's a lot of fun. I generally have had pretty positive experiences talking to a lot of those guys and he's certainly one that stood out to me a lot of fun to chat with in the locker room so when you think about coming into this season uh, you know that last summer the offseason what were your expectations coming in and how have they changed after five weeks I thought this team was going to be pretty solid. I, I was looking at a 9-10, maybe 11-win season just because, to me, Russell Wilson, being a healthy Russell Wilson, is worth 9 or 10 wins. He's that good, and he's proven himself. He's been consistently been able to lead this team to the playoffs, and even last season with all the new defensive guys they had, all the stars that departed like Richard Sherman, got him back to the playoffs with 10 wins. So I thought they were going to be in that ballpark. I think now five games into the season, they honestly have not played – a complete game to this point, and yet they're four and one. And in the game they lost, if they wouldn't have hurt themselves, they probably would have won that game too. There's a really good chance they could five and zero. Oh. There's also a chance they could be one and four because several of their games have been really close. So, I think if this team can play as it's capable of, they have not yet to this point. They're four and one, and they have not even reached their ceiling. They're not close. Their pass rushers they've got that they brought in, Jadevian Clowney, Ziggy Anza, those guys are still trying to get their feet back under them. Uh, neither guy had a preseason or training camp for much different reasons. So uh, the Seahawks are hoping that those guys are going to really start turning the corner here and bust out in the next couple of weeks. If that happens, they got Jaron Reed coming back from suspension after this week. So the Browns won't have to worry about him, but the Ravens in week seven, they'll have to deal with Jaron Reed. Suddenly that defensive line is going to look pretty stout. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think the fact that Russell Wilson has been able to go out here, throw 12 touchdowns, no picks over 1400 yards, the first five games with a receiving core that's missing Doug Baldwin when retired in the off season. And they got a lot of unproven guys behind Tyler Lockett. Uh, Will Disley's been awesome at tight end. DK Metcalf's made some huge plays downfield. He's already shown off some abilities. So they've been able to exceed expectations as a passing offense. And with a lot of those young guys, I expect they're just going to keep getting better. So again, this is a team that typically is a slow starter and they end the season on a, on a hot note. Starting at four and one, that's really encouraging. So I'm looking at this as a team that as long as they can stay healthy, uh, they might be able to get to 11 or 12 wins and be a contender for a buy in the NFC. Another great segue by you, by the way, for all of our, our listeners here. What he just did is how you professionally brag about how stinking good your team is. What he just did right there was magnificent. So uh, props to you, Corbin. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about Russ Wilson. Um, this quarterback you guys have is, you said a few of his stats right there. He's having a pretty decent season from the sounds of it, from the looks of it. Um, I guess talk about his season a little bit more and where do you see him in the MVP race so far? Well, I actually posted an article about this yesterday. I was looking at some of the degree of difficulty on some of the completions that he made against the Rams last Thursday night. The ability to move around the pocket, roll out to his right, roll out to his left, on the run without his feet set. There was a throw where he was jumped. He was doing a pop pass, and he completed it 17 yards downfield. I mean, he is making ridiculous plays right now. To me, he has got to be the front runner, maybe Christian McCaffrey at number two. He has been extremely impressive. And of course, Mahomes is going to be in that discussion. 
did have kind of a rough night against the Colts the other night. So uh, I think if, if it's going to go to a quarterback right now, I think Russell Wilson's the most deserving. I mean, he's completed 73% of his passes. He's the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to have over 1,400 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, and no picks in his first five games. That had never happened in the Super Bowl era until Russell Wilson just did that. And he's got a QB rating over 120. He's averaging nine yards per pass attempt, which is third in the league. I mean, he's at the top of pretty much every measurable statistic that is meaningful for a quarterback right now. He's been able to run the ball when they need him to, and he's really carried this football team. This is not a defensive-led football team like it used to be with the Legion of Boom. This is Russell Wilson's football team. So to me, he is the clear-cut favorite right now to win the MVP. It's week five, or going into week six, so still a lot of time left. But right now, to me, he's got to be the favorite based on his incredible production and efficiency. Yeah, well, we got the Scottish hammer. So for Sunday's game, uh, where are the Seahawks, do you think, if anywhere, exposed? What have been some of the Achilles heels that you guys have come across? Two things that have stood out so far. One's just been the sporadic nature of the pass rush. There's been times it's been really good. Then there's the second half against the Rams. The second half didn't get much pressure at all on Jared Goff. It was a tale of two different halves there. But uh, the pass rush has been really inconsistent. And like I said, I think with the guys they've got there, Jared Reed coming back eventually, that's going to be an area that gets sorted out. But that has been inconsistent. And probably the second biggest thing is tackling running backs out of the backfield as receivers. I don't know why that's been such a big issue for them this year, but Alvin Kamara in, in the Saints game was killing them on that. They had trouble with David Johnson the following week. That ended up not mattering too much because they took care of business against the Cardinals. But they've had trouble with running backs that catch the football out of the backfield and tackling them, bringing them down in open field. And just in general, open field tackling, which is normally a strength for a Pete Carroll coach football team, that's been an inconsistent issue. The last couple of games, especially, it's been problematic. They've been able to overcome that because Russell Wilson, the offense, have scored enough points and they've created some turnovers. But uh, overall, like I said, this is Russell Wilson's team. The defense is not the strength at this point. They've certainly got the pieces to be a top 10 defense by the end of the season, but they have not been to this point. The offense has been the thing that's carried them so far. So let's pretend for a second the Browns don't have a first-year head coach. We don't have a second-year quarterback. I'm horrified of a guy with the last name of Clowney on the Seahawks coming across that line, especially with the O-line we have right now. So all those things to the side, where do you see the Seahawks absolutely eating if all goes well for you guys on Sunday? Potentially Sunday night, I believe, by the way. I've been told that's not going to happen. They would have fixed that would have been changed a couple weeks ago. There was discussion about it, but uh, it's still going to be an early afternoon start. Uh, but as far as areas that the Seahawks can eat, uh, I think the running game, I think they're going to see what the 49ers were able to do on Monday night football, running the football against the Cleveland Browns and Seattle's got a really dynamic duo of running backs and Chris Carson or Rashad Penny that they're really pleased with. And they'll give the football to regularly CJ pro has had a few nice runs this year as their third running back. So I look at their team, their offensive line is built to run block. I expect they're going to, especially on the road, they're going to lean on that run game. And I think looking at what teams have been able to do, up to this point, I think that that's probably an area that they're going to be wanting to attack them. And certainly, uh, like I said last night, that looked like a major flaw for their defense. Oh, you caught that game last night? I did. I watched about three quarters of it. Absolutely. Not our best showing. No, not at all. 
follow-up question. Do you know where your podcast is ranked as a sports podcast in Lebanon or top 10? I have no idea. <laughs> your guess is good as mine. I don't have those specific of analytics. What's your prediction for Sunday's game? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I'm going to wait until I do my crossover show to do that. Um, but I certainly think it's going to be a close game. I don't think last night is any indicator of what to expect in this football game. Uh, I certainly think Seattle will be the favored team, uh, but they've had a kind of rough history traveling to Cleveland. That said, the last couple of times they played there, they didn't have Russell Wilson under center either. So uh, I anticipate the Browns are going to come out. They're going to be motivated after this last football game. And uh, as long as the Seahawks don't punch them in the mouth at the beginning of the game, I expect it's going to be a pretty close affair, especially with the Browns playing at home. So I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to give a score prediction, but uh, I certainly see this being a game that's going to be a lot closer than what the scoreboard was in San Francisco. I say this with the utmost sincerity. I hope you're right for the sake of all of us and our listeners. Thanks, Corbin Smith, for coming on. Check him out on Twitter, at Corbin Smith NFL. Best of luck to both teams, mostly the Browns. Injury-free game. Thanks again for coming on. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks again to Corbin Smith for coming on. Truly appreciate your insight on the Seahawks, our upcoming opponent. Once again, Corbin is the lead reporter for Seahawk Maven on Sports Illustrated, SI.com. He also co-hosts a weekly podcast, Locked on Seahawks, can be found anywhere podcasts are found. You can also find him on Twitter, at CorbinSmithNFL. Let's jump into that. Sunday, Seahawks at Browns, big game, big battle. This is where we see what this team is made of. Uh I mean, hopefully. I mean, if we get blown out again, we're just going to say don't panic, which is totally fine. But let's just please, God, show some fight, win this game. Come find me at the Muni lot. DM me on Angry Browns fans, and uh, we'll have a beer provided you're of legal age. That does it for this week. Come on back next week as we get ready for an easy game against the Patriots. No big deal. (laughs) Are they any good? I don't know. Do they have any players on their team? I've never heard of them. We'll see you next week for episode 11. Good night, Cleveland. Sunday. Oh yeah.